Howdy, and welcome everyone to the Christmas edition of Star Trek Culture. I'm your host, Liana Ahmed, here with Stephen Chinder, my wonderful co-host. We are here to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 11, Sukal. Well, Stephen, how is your Christmas Eve going? Um, It's going well now that I'm home. Um, Like, as we're recording this, it's like, 11 p.m. so it's almost christmas day proper and like um this episode should go out that day barring like i don't know whatever else might happen but yeah this is pretty much like a christmas episode of sorts um (laughs) and i guess and I i was actually thinking about this like how they probably didn't know that this episode would air like around Christmas time because, you know, maybe there were delays that we didn't know about in the schedule. But I kind of wish that if they had known that they had made it just a complete filler episode that's just all holiday (laughs) based. Because like in Doctor Who, like in 1965, there was this really long arc called Dalek's Master Plan. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, there was an episode of that serial that aired on Christmas, and since they figured that people would either not be watching or they wouldn't want to watch something so grim on that day, they aired like a filler episode on that day called The Feast of Stephen, and it's just like, um, well, this is like a lost episode. It's been reconstructed with like audio and still photographs, but from the sounds of it, it sounds really chaotic. It's aged really badly, actually, but... <laughs> And, but like I kind of wish that we had like a like a an, an appropriate modern version of that for Star Trek That's Discovery, true. where it just has nothing to do with the overarching thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, like in the past um, season, well, Doctor Who always has a Christmas episode. There is some. There is a yeah. Well, not in the Chimnall era now, That's true. which is oh, right. kind of ironic since yeah. his name is Chris. But anyway. <laughs> This is true. Um, but in the past, we've had at least a Christmas episode or a Christmassy episode for Doctor Who, at least in the yeah. newer episodes. Like, we've had a bunch. And yeah. There are also, like, some audios and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. Christmas and Doctor Who are, like, like synonymous. chocolate yeah. and marshmallows. I don't know. Chocolate and peanut butter. Well, you know, you were talking about filler episodes, and um, Star Wars also has some filler episodes. But before I go too far, I wanted to make sure that everybody remembered uh, if you wanted to get to know uh, Star Trek culture and, and Culture Slate, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have an email address at uh, Star Trek po- uh, Star Trek Culture Podcast at gmail.com. If you wanted to get in touch with Stephen and myself, you can reach us there. And if you wanted to find out more about Culture Slate, join us, uh, join our Patreon which uh, gives you behind-the-scenes glimpses and uh, gives you some more insight into some of the other cool things that Culture Slate's doing around Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, um, and Doctor Who. So um, we cover all the fun fandoms, and we also cover you know issues and things around cosplay and other under wonderful uh, things that uh, pop nerds and sci-fi nerds like me are interested in. <laughs> So, um, with that in mind, Stephen, will um, did you had some other thoughts on filler episodes before we get too far into this one? Oh well, when you mentioned Star Wars, like I thought you were going to mention the holiday special. Yes. Um, 
which uh, like lots of people say it's a Christmas special, but it actually aired in November prior to Thanksgiving. Yeah. But but there there is like a music album from like 1980 called Christmas in the Stars, which has like C3PO and R2D2 and <laughs> some other characters singing, and it's it's actually delightful. Like it's like like I did compared... a tap dance routine to one of the songs on there from my tap when <laughs> I was a kid. Nice. Yeah, I like compared <laughs> to the holiday, compared to the holiday special, that album is a musical masterpiece. Um, <laughs> I, I actually listened to it again earlier. I, I unironically really like it. <laughs> like it might not be the best thing ever, but it's a fun <laughs> listen. It like it's definitely more uh, palatable than the holiday special itself. So the holiday special, Star Wars holiday special, I just have to say, like, um, and a shout out to my San Diego uh, Star Wars Society guys. Thanks to them, I got to watch it again last year because we normally have a holiday party. And um, obviously this year we're not, but um, last year, the holiday party, um, the, the episode is just on repeat while the holiday party goes on. So it was just nice to see oh, it that, again. That's, that's worse than a Christmas story being on repeat. <laughs> but Because every you catch details that you hadn't seen and like at the, the table of friends I was sitting at, I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen this in so long. I totally forgot that happened. I totally forgot that happened, you know. And of course, um, I always have to, and I'm looking over to the side over there because during the white elephant exchange i got my uh crystal ball uh, death star crystal uh, uh disco ball so that's spins over there <laughs> off yeah, to the side. Dis- discovery ball it's yeah. a discovery disco ball yeah i wish it was discovery <laughs> i might put some you know it would be kind of fun to put some um trek ornament <laughs> uh ships yeah it, attacking the, the death star uh, from Star Wars, and then maybe just have a Dalek, you know, floating around with, you know, yeah. another, um, you know, with the, the the phone box from Doctor Who, and then you know, maybe a DeLorean kind of <laughs> like crashing. Yeah, just, just everything. Just Marvel, DC, <laughs> throw everything in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Batmobile, but um, <laughs> why not? <laughs> but um, you know, earlier I was thinking, like, I was asking myself, what Star Trek movie would be like the most Christmassy Star Trek movie, and. Hmm. Like, I was thinking, um, well, I know Generations has a literal Christmas scene when Picard sees his family in Texas. You read my mind, but, um, I was like, <laughs> Yeah, but, but also, um, the first, uh, JJ movie, um, like, I guess mm. because it has, like, the birth of a child, and then uh, you get, like, a snowy planet later on, so maybe potentially that as well. well but... Undiscovered Country would be a good one, too, right? Oh, right, yeah. Because yeah. that had, like, an icy place, yep. too. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. It's like, maybe Undiscovered Country, then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I like the fact that uh, Star Trek never really brought, like, a singular religious whatever into the into the canon of this episode it's just there's certain episodes that are kind of scary that are maybe or aired around halloween or maybe did not then there are certain episodes that are more like this one that maybe aired around the holidays or not <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> so it it's uh, very inviting in that regard but before we get too far into the actual episode um do you have any fun news facts or or things to share that you learned this week about star trek yeah, so I saw this article about um, this thing that's going to be, or maybe it's already being sold at shop.startrek.com. Uh, it's these Star Trek 
face shields and uh, they have like the red alert thing uh, at the bottom and uh, I think there are like two variations one of them says property of the USS Discovery and the other says Starfleet Medical Academy I think oh I'm uh, gonna get one I wasted yeah, yeah, money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasted money on really lame face shields <laughs> Right. If you're gonna waste money, you gotta waste it on Trek merch. Trek, yeah. Like no, I was like, I was just saying wasted money out loud. Like the thing that I was thinking in my head, I said it. I was like, wasted money just now on like face shields that are really boring. <laughs> kind of want to put stickers <laughs> on them and stuff. You know, I don't know if that changes yet, if anything about them. But yeah, I should do that <laughs> to my face shield. <laughs> right. Make it more use. Make it more fun. Now I want to go so, it. Yeah, so yeah, those would be useful, um, you know, with these times arriving in, and they look fun. So uh, look them up at shop.startrek.com and see if they're for you. Yeah, definitely. They're, I think they're like uh, twenty four ninety five. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> I'm like, that's oh, cheaper than that. But no, I, I'll still do it for the, the sheer fun of it. <laughs> right. I can just imagine walking in um, with that on and maybe maybe causing some heads to turn. More so than when I do the cosplay thing and I'm painted green because I'm doing a Yoda thing. <laughs> That's kind of fun too. Walking yeah, who it. knows? Maybe <laughs> maybe um, maybe Santa Claus using the spore drive will like leave a face shield like in your home or whatever. Maybe uh, I, I, do I don't know. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so, well, my news story is kind of a funny, interesting one. There was right. an effort. Many years ago, um, a Kickstarter effort to create a Star Trek Dr. Seuss mashup called Oh, the Places You Will Boldly Go. And um, once the Dr. Seuss estate got wind of it, they um, ordered, they had a cease and desist put on the team that was trying to put the book out. And the Dr. Seuss. Seuss. <laughs> well, they didn't do this soon. Apparently, the the com- the comic mix team and the the authors behind Oh, the places okay. you will boldly go, they're the ones who sue Doctor Seuss's estate to say that hey, this is all um, um, it's it's satire. It falls under the Fair Use Act. Um, so you know uh, what happened was the appellate court agreed that the suit can go forward. So we'll see. Maybe maybe they'll get to release the book, or maybe they won't. Still, but it's it sounds delightful, and I would totally buy that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the because it's Trek related, this whole thing kind of reminds me of Axanar a bit, but we don't have to get into that. Whole yeah, thing. we can talk about Axanar some other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you went there. <laughs> <laughs> I boldly went there. <laughs> right, I see what you did there. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> nice. All right, well, let's get into this episode. It is, you know, yeah. after this one, we only have two oh, more. Oh, so call. Yes. Oh, funny. There you go. God, it's always related. Uh, we're, we're, together. We're, we're on a roll. We're so, we're, we're so dorky. <laughs> <laughs> like, today? Like, but, this is how we are normally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but, but anyway, the episode. Um, so this begins from, like, the end of the previous episode, right? Like, the aftermath of Giorgio. Yeah, they basically, we start right at, they're still at the memorial for Giorgio. And the uh, thing about the previews thus far is that they've always been, like, the first 30 seconds of the next episode. So what we saw in the first 30 seconds of this, we'd actually seen in the preview. And it was just a conversation 
where we see that Gray is back with Adira and they are at least talking to them now about talking to them, period. And I loved the uh, paternic, uh, paternal instinct that uh, uh, Stamets showed for Adira when he said, wait, Gray's here. And he's, he was like, tell me, po- point me in the direction. And, and you know, Adira's right yeah. over there. And, like, yeah, you know, like it, it was very, it was very considerate yes. of him to give them privacy. Yes. So, He's like, yeah, Stamets, memorial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, good on Stamets' part, being very polite. Yeah, polite, <laughs> and also just that fierce love he already has for this this person who could very well be like a child that they're that um, he and his partner are raising together, and just it was just beautiful. And he even said, um, you know. Because I think Adira still feels very standoffish from the rest of the crew. Samus is like, you ha- you were a part of this success and story and everything else. And on top of that, you've got um, Hugh and me. We're, we're a package deal. And um, it's just that they constantly are reminding us about the bonds that everyone has on the show. And I like that. Like, it rem- It's not that we need to be reminded of it, but it's, it's just done beautifully and organically it's not forced it's just like oh yeah that's right it's um right their their relationships are all reinforced and just everyday gestures and conversation which i thought was kind of nice well um you know yeah um oh bef- sorry before we go forward i just have something really stupid to say <laughs> but like i'm gonna forget it if i don't say it now sure, but sure. I just i just realized chris pine christmas pine oh! tree wait that's- maybe Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's see. But but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen Adira interact with many of the other crew members, have we? No, no, they've been mostly in engineering, and I'm okay with that because I think that the cooler because okay, that's my background, but it's like, it's like that's what the cooler people are in engineering. So. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just had to let that out. <laughs> Where do my allegiances lie? There you go. <laughs> why do I buy that gold uniform? That's why. <laughs> so, anyway, so the, while they're at the memorial, the computer finishes off the algorithm and is able to get um, data relayed straight from um, the ship, the uh, the Kelpian ship that's in the the nebula. And they read a life sign, which um, was kind of interesting. We're like, okay, what what can still be alive? That there must be some sort of anomaly there. And um, sure enough, well, they use the spore drive and they get over there. What um, while they're on their way, uh, you learn about how they're going to organize the away team and everything else. Um, Doctor Colbert is going. Saru is going. And uh, Burnham is going. And there's conversations around each one of them. And the fact that Tilly is being left in charge in the command seat. And um, I liked the vulnerability. Obviously, Tilly is uh, the heart of the show, as we already know. But her vulnerability that she wears out and and just talks it out. This this is how I'm feeling with the people that she can trust. Um, I like that. I like that whole scene between her and Bruno. Yeah. While I actually um, have yeah. something written down. Oh, sure. um, yeah. So, yeah. So we get like all the people talking to each other mm-hmm. and 
I thought to myself, wouldn't it be funny if the whole episode was just this, just all of them <laughs> talking to each other right before that would the mission? Piss off then... so many people. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the funny thing is, um, going back to, like, South Asian uh, serials and dramas, that's typically one episode. <laughs> like, if they did that, I would be, I would not think anything of it. And then real, I would at the end go, wait a minute, this was Star Trek. This was not, like, a program on ZTV. This shouldn't have happened. <laughs> but it's just those things that I've seen all my life are, like, drilled into my head as far as, like, how those serials go. They literally spend 30 minutes of nothing but, you know, camera shot after camera shot of expressions of, like, shock and disbelief to one statement, and that's, like, ten minutes right there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've probably seen an episode of something where they, they know they're going to go on something, mm-hmm. like, dangerous, and the whole episode is them talking to each other, and then at the very end, like, embarking on it, but I can't for the life of me remember Lost. What, sh- what show that was. Lost. Sounds like an episode. Oh, I've I've only seen the. It's actually funny that you bring it up. Um, so on Instagram, there's this trend where it's like, um, you say, uh, "Tell me what to share a pic of" or something. Okay. And and someone said your favorite show, and I shared Breaking Bad because <laughs> I think it's like the best written show ever. Oh. Um, okay. And my friend Andres. Uh, is like, you haven't seen Lost. And I was like, I saw the first eight episodes and it lost me. <laughs> so I finally watched all of it uh, very recently. I watched the first season and I struggled with it. And I, you know, and then it just, honestly, uh, one of my other friends uh, put it best. He said, it's the island of people of slow learners. Because they keep making this. And that's why it took me a while to get through it. I just, it just... Yeah, after like the first yeah. couple of seasons, I was like, didn't we do this again? This this feels like we've done this before. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, but I mean, I, I hear that there's like some sort of reboot or something called Lost in Space. Like, I guess it's <laughs> like Lost, but it's like in outer space or something. Like, what's going on? <laughs> so wait, was Lost in, was Lost the reboot of the old Lost in Space and then the new <laughs> Lost in Space is the reboot of the new old Lost? I don't know. Uh, I, I've actually never seen the original Lost in Space, oh, so like it. I don't I don't know the premise, but um, but hey, JJ worked on Lost and he worked on Star Trek, so like it all connects and it it's, all connects in space. Yeah. <laughs> it's all spacey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched the uh, the reruns of uh, the original Lost in Space. I mean, we didn't have cable, and that's what they showed on the regular tel- television channels. <laughs> I watched it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, they, the funny thing is, they had Star Trek in more more reruns than Lost in Space, so I more familiar. Well, obviously, clearly, Star Trek had a bigger influence on me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like obviously, like this isn't Lost in Space no. culture. <laughs> you don't you don't see me talking about that. <laughs> um, in fact, they did that movie with um, uh, one of the guy, the guy from Matt Matt LeBlanc was in the movie version. Of a of an attempt. Oh, Matt Matt LeBlanc from the show Joey. Yeah, and there was that other show that he was on about those people that all you know that was kind of like couplings, but not. Yeah, they were kind of like more than acquaintances, but mostly less than like yeah, like significant other. It's there's a word for that. I think I don't don't remember that word either. Yeah, it'll come to me. me. Oh, anyway, so going back to Star Trek. So, um, the whole thing about, uh, Giorgio, um, having that one spot on the, the, um, 
on the captain's chair that she would rub whenever she was nervous. I kind of want to go back to the yeah. first episode. Yeah, the, <laughs> the original George O, that like yeah. from Burnham's timeline. Yeah. Right, right. The one in season one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Season one. <laughs> what are we we have about? to clarify since there are like more multiple Georgios. <laughs> Season one, like the one that dies at the beginning of the very first episode, that one. Yeah, I just want to see her and see like like her gestures if she does any of that stuff. But I, I liked that um, Tilly was given the opportunity, and this you know Admiral Vance, um, <laughs> the look he gives her when he when he hears the plan, and he's like. Okay. <laughs> he looks over at her like, you're going to be in charge. <laughs> you have my spore drive in your hands. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. <laughs> and I also, this is where I'm going to go ahead and talk about it, but I have this feeling that Vance knows, or maybe, maybe he knew more. He had advanced knowledge of what was happening. At- I see what you did there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so about, about maybe what was uh, the cause of the burn? Because I just can't get over the fact that they had spent a hundred something years without knowing anything and it took this crew to figure it out. No, come on. That just seems right. like a, little, a little fishy to me. Yeah, like like you were telling me this and um, like I was saying how like it didn't even occur to me that it's a possibility that he might actually be like really bad uh, mainly because um, when he first came onto the show, I I hated him immediately, <laughs> and then he's, they start like cooperating with each other, and I was like, oh, okay, he's cool, and like I kind of don't want to hate him again, but I guess it's possible that that might go in that direction. Like he could he, he could very much go like Prospector in Toy Story two or something. Right. Oh right, oh god. <laughs> um, the it's funny whenever you think of. The prospector in, in Toy Story 2, my head um, also morphs him with the Aqua Teen Hunger Force, other, uh, that, the guy with the blunderbuss. Sorry, I'm just bringing up Aqua Teen I Hunger mean, Force I mean, I know, <laughs> I know of the show, I've uh, seen commercials, but I, it's, I've, I think I tried it and, like, it just didn't work for me, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but sure. It's, yeah, it's, your brain has to be worked in a certain way to appreciate Aqua Teen <laughs> But anyway, that's where my head goes when I think of, I don't know, that's that's two very, very wrong things to meld in one's brain, and that's Toy Story and Aquatine Force. But in my head, they live together just fine. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're, they're just two toys you can play with exactly. together. Two, yeah, two spinning wheels or monkeys with the little symbols in my head. <laughs> Well, okay, going back to... What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, it's Christmas Eve. Oh, my, come on, we're all, we're all a little yeah. today. <laughs> um, well, uh, I'm just going to call it and say this is our funniest episode so yeah. far. <laughs> it's fun for me. Right. <laughs> I swear, that's all I'm drinking is root beer. <laughs> so. Yeah, like I haven't had a, like a drinky type of drink today. Like this I is all just me. <laughs> This like, is, this is all just us people. Like, <laughs> this is normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are, like, really frightened right now, probably. Yeah, like, that don't ever give them anything stuff. else. Yeah, I don't drink coffee every day, because when I do, like, even my coworkers tell me that um, they can tell I've had coffee, because I speak faster. And I've also been told that I already speak fast enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, well, the, um, you know, I still think that there's something that... Admiral Vance had to have known he may not be purely evil. I, I don't think that he's completely evil or like he's not, he's not the bad. I mean, that's Osiris. Yeah, that's definitely not him, but I just think that he's not as forthcoming with the information 
as um, he could be. I think there's something that he's got to know. It just seems too uh, unrealistic <laughs> that they went this long without some knowledge about it. And um, just some of the ways that he discusses what Saru found. He's like, yeah, let me get, let me see. Like, you found the first Kelpian and, you know, you wanted to, like, um, you know, the conversation from the episode before or even prior to that, just the whole thing about um, Saru seeing another Kelpian and kind of keeping it to himself for a little bit, you know, all that. And then just some of the ways he was talking about um, this particular mission. And, um, you know, I just, I'm just curious. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> it's not like I'm right about most of this anyway, but um, we'll see. Now, I mean, um, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out soon enough. We'll find out. <clears throat> now, um, well, they, um, they get over there, uh, they get to the planet and yeah and i, I like yeah. the design of the planet oh yeah here, or the look of it where it's like it's got holes in it it made me nostalgic for like ratchet and clank games that had planets that looked like that every yes. once in a while it reminded me of um the klingon homeworld as depicted in um i think it was undiscovered Country or the one uh before where, like, there's a hole in it. Like, part of Kronos is, feels like it's blown out or one of the moons is blown out. I can't remember which anymore. But it's it, just the look of it w- when they showed it on the diagram. I I, I had a flashback to one of the um, original series movies, um, Visions of Another Planet. And so it just... I don't, okay. Yeah. Um, but this one, they find out that it's a planet that's made almost entirely of dilithium. And that there is a breathable pocket that is probably the ship... And the life sign that, that they're seeing is uh, inside that living, you know, that uh, breathable po- pocket that's on the sh- on on the planet. And um, the 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 landing party gets there, and they have about four hours. Um, and the nebula itself is causing all kinds of instrument and issues, um, shield issues. So they they know how much time they have, and they know the discovery is going to be able to get them uh, within that amount of time, regardless of all the other dangers. Um, each person is picked for this mission for a very specific reason. And, um, but when they land, they aren't themselves, right? So we see, um, we can't tell first on Burnham, but then when we see, uh, Wilson Cruz or, or uh, Dr. Colbert, we're like, Colbert. Wait, yeah, we're like, wait a minute. And, and she's like, you're He's got the Bajoran ridges. He's got Bajoran ridges. And, um, on the, the ready room, he's talking about how much he loved the earring. And I, he's a, like Star Trek fans are like, you know, what Majoran fan doesn't want to wear that earring? You know, my mother, I remember one, when those episodes were airing for Deep Space Nine and she was watching a few of us with us. She happened to be going to Greece for a business trip and she's like, I can get that for you in Greece. Yeah. So like she was, she was looking for cuff earrings (laughs) from, they reminded her of Grecian things. And so she was looking for, uh, for that kind of stuff for us. I remember very specifically, she was very enamored with, um, the look of the Majorans also. (laughs) And, um, so then uh, Burnham is turned into a trill. And of course, we all know what this means. That yeah, we, we knew what was coming yeah. with Saru. Yeah. Like, like he's the most alien looking one. So of course, of course he would look flip it. human. Yep. And we get to see Doug Jones. And the last time I saw Doug Jones playing a character where you could tell he was Doug Jones was in um, an acquaintance of mine had a web series called Universal Undead. And so he was the mad scientist in that. 
and he was himself. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that was kind of fun to see too. Maybe they had budget cuts here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I heard that he actually uh, still buzzed the the makeup trailer because he was missing it. <laughs> so, uh, that's what he said on the ready room. He's like, no, no, no. I, I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be there. And um, we'll we'll talk about the other person that um, was the was somebody uh, another creature actor person that uh, we adore comes up later but um right <laughs> but yeah the whole thing was like yep yeah, it's Doug yeah we get to see his face and we get to see him actually emote under his own um thing but I love the way he comes up comes up you know he's like my heels are touching the ground because <laughs> that was his first notion <laughs> that something isn't right because they can't see each other I mean themselves I'm sorry they can see each other but they can't see themselves so they don't really know um what has happened and then they realize that they're in some sort of simulation and the simulation is is a running program that is meant to teach something to somebody lessons constantly. And I was immediately thrown back to the um, the TNG episode where uh, Riker is um, stuck on a planet and he doesn't realize this. He thinks that he's had some sort of disease that he loses like fifty years of light of time and. He has a, a son and a wife that he doesn't remember. Do you remember that episode from TNG? It's No, but it sounds like something that would happen in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it turns out it's a kid that was uh, stranded um, in a hollow sweet world left by his parents. And uh, and ultimately Riker figures it out. And you know, Data uses a contraction and, you know, like things are really, really slow. Um, so there's some, there's some issues uh, that the, the guy... Uh, I'm uh, sorry, Riker figures it out and takes the kid with him. But and that totally, like, immediately I was taken to that episode. I was like, oh, yeah, this kind of reminds me of that. And um, the the other thing that they talked about was the math of who could be alive still, right? So right. we don't think it's the child because the child would have only been about four or five years old. Um, at the time, and at least, you know, at least of what caused the burn, you know, like, well, if Dr. Isa was still alive, maybe this is for her, maybe this is, you know, um, we find out that she was pregnant, and those spots on her head where, where she was, you know, pregnant, not necessarily radiation, but um, if it is the child, then the child, you know, did it survive, did it not, and when we land in that world, my immediate thought was that the child survived, right? Um Every time you say the child, I think of the child from The Mandalorian. I, I, mean, like, I was waiting for you to pick up on that. I was like, he's not saying anything. <laughs> I said, like, Sukal, Grogu, whatever you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was purposely debating. Like, How many times am I going to say the child before he picks up on this? Yeah, because... <laughs> Like, I, I didn't think you were doing it on purpose, but I was like, huh, she's, like, saying it, like, an awful a, a lot of times. Yeah, because the Mando just ended, right? So, um... And, yeah, uh, forever. <laughs> it's never gonna have more seasons. No, just kidding. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're done. We're done with the Mando. It's, it's over. It, the, the Grogu show yeah. is done. I'm so curious to know how many people will still watch now that that mission is done. We'll see. Right. Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, getting back to that uh, other star. Oh, this other child. Where yeah. <laughs> so keep in mind, Sokol, uh, Sukal is the child that they find. Sukal is also a grown child. He's 120 something years old and he's a child. Grogu is 57. 
or 50 right but like um Sukal is an adult though right but yeah. he has like a child like personality correct and grogu is childlike He's 50 yeah. and yeah. looks like a baby <laughs> it yeah. looks like a baby but is an adult <laughs> has has way more adult interactions you know like getting tortured captured <laughs> you know um, Jeez. like you know <laughs> Torturing stormtroopers, right? Opposite, yeah. opposite babies. <laughs> so. Right. Well, one is short, one is tall. One, like yeah. you know, the best of both worlds. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, oh, I was wondering if you catch that. There you go. Look at that. I'm clever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, but yeah, today? like, but um, with Sukal, like, I feel like his child's like uh, demeanor and like. How he treats programs as if they're new toys feels very Christmassy to me as well. Because, like, when when you get right down to it, like, when you cut out, like, all the family and the sentimental BS of Christmas, it's all about the toys, toys. you know? Yeah. And this, this whole <laughs> no, thing, I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's all about yeah, the toys. That's all it's all about. <laughs> like, it brought that to mind. <laughs> well, this, to your point, though, this episode had that Christmas magic feel to it, right? It was... Um, you know, Star Trek does not do uh, you know religious or Christmas episodes per right. se. It's but like it's like not overt. It's not overt, but this one definitely had that sort of mystical, magical thing to it. One of the programs is an elder sitting at a fire telling a story, and um, Saru is confronted with an elder so old that he's never seen a Kelpian get to that age because from his time period, um. Kelpians have just joined the Federation, if I'm not mistaken. I don't even think they're, they're full-fledged members at that point. Um, I'd have to go back and see with the short trek bit. But, right. you know, they, they aren't members potentially just at, at the time of his getting into Starfleet. I think it might be by then. But anyway, the, the point is that they didn't live that long. And um, he was kind of shocked to see that. And, uh, you know, there's this whole book of... Um, Kelpian lore that uh, the elder was telling, and then the elder was also singing a lullaby, and just that whole scene, the coziness of it, uh, reminded me of Christmas, and also the planet when they first land is snowy, just like uh, the previous episode's planet, Danis Four, five was. Um, so there was, you know, there was just a lot of little magical things about it, and a child in a fortress. You know that locks himself away in a fortress yeah. as well. He, he's yeah. like staying inside because he's afraid of what's outside, exactly. which is which, very relatable minute, to us that's, right yeah. now. <laughs> that's that's Christmas twenty twenty. That's COVID Christmas. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, we didn't mention like who plays Sukal, no, right? No, and I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, Billy Irwin, who we know from everything, because Billy Irwin's been around um, in yeah. the business since the seventies. Um, <laughs> you yeah, like, like when you told me, <laughs> when you told me, I like looked up who he was, yeah. and he was um, Lou Lou who in the two thousand film adaptation of Doctor Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So See, you know, it, it, it all comes together. It all comes together. Um, and uh, also, I was like surprised. I was like, oh, he was Mister Noodle, like from Elmo's World, and I had to like explain. Yeah, because that's my yeah my era of Sesame Street was you know Grover and like the Muppets of like of I thought you were gonna say Grogu. Grogu, yeah, no, no, Grogu, Grover, <laughs> Grover. <laughs> but but yeah, he's been in a lot of things. <laughs> yes, and um, this one of those uh, he is one of those other uh, 
very famous uh, character creature actors, just like Doug Jones, and each one of them has those telling moments of like body movement that you're like, oh wait, I think I can, and I think I, I told you this yeah. before. Well, like their signature, signature physical, physical performances. Thing. Yeah, just that you just know and like. I know it's Doug Jones when I see him in makeup or out. I mean, obviously without, but whenever he's in makeup, I'm like, is that Doug? That's Doug, right? On the left. <laughs> That's Camden on the right. That's Doug. You know, I can always tell, like, who was whom on um, one of those actors. And this one, I was like, I, I know this person. I know this body, this person. <laughs> and sure enough, <laughs> it was it was, uh, it was him. It was Billy Irwin. So I was, I was happy that it was him. And it turns out from the ready room, we learned that uh, Doug Jones had to uh, call him to do the role, like to just tell him, hey, why don't you come on and uh, um, be this person? But I want to say that uh, Billy Irwin was also another actor, another character on Star Trek before. I could be wrong about that. I'll have to go look that up again. But um, I don't know if this was his first time on Trek. I, that's just something I've got to... Yeah, because I looked on Memory Alpha mm -hmm. and I only saw... Um... Well, I can look it up right now, but I think I only saw, like, his role here. I think uh, you're right. I think this is it. I don't think he's done any other Star Trek before. I might be just thinking of... Uh, okay, yeah, he's only played Sukal in Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. But you should play more characters oh, in Star yeah, Trek. very much so. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see more of him. And hopefully we will this season. Um, as as the episode progresses, we learn something about Kelpie and society that um there is part of their lore is a monster that um all kelpian children must face in order to become um adults or you know just be respected as elders and so that or not elders as adults and this monster has personified itself within that hollow world and has um different members of the crew have uh, of the away team have encountered him or, or this creature version and um it's not until Saru puts it all together that we understand what's potentially happening. But in the meantime, when um, Burnham encounters Sukal one-on-one, -on -one, I thought that was one of the sweeter moments of the episode where <laughs> she gets to play a hollow program. So what we said that she got to be, Sonequa Martin-Green got to be um, a hollow program, her mirror self, um, her regular badass self. And then what was the other thing? We, yeah. we covered like another one that she got to be like, she got to be like um, major things. <laughs> it might've just been, Those. Oh, when, when she's intoxicated. Yes. High. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> she got to be high too. <laughs> so, yeah. She's, she's had like a, a really fun season. I can only yeah. imagine. But, um, tis the season for Seneca Martin Green. <laughs> exactly. And that's a wonderful season. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> With the 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 treatment of this um, a childlike adult that has had no physical um, contact with any other adults outside the yeah. hollow, like no social no interactions, social interaction. really. I thought it was brilliantly written that you know, like, hey, we're gonna teach you how to be social, how to socialize. Um, what did you think about that whole exchange? Other other than it was just cute. But. Yeah, it was very much in the spirit of. You know, when he sees Michael as a new program and pretty much acts like he has a new toy to play with. Um, and seeing, like, when he said restart program or whatever, I wondered if, like, that was when Michael was going to break. But she she has, like, a moment where you can see on her face where she's like, really? I have to put up with this? <laughs> right. But then she, like, 
she like smiles or whatever as if she like is the program that restarted and it's like very it feels very believable like or like if I were him like I would probably find that pretty believable um given like how he is he is very much um used to that right so he's never gonna think of anything other than everybody he encounters um as not uh, part of the program and in fact whatever uh culver and saru encounter um they're encountering one of the history programs and the history program wants to know if they're enemies or intruders or the um the expected parameter which is the outside world coming in and you can tell i mean after a hundred something years of having uh, this idea of the outside never come to fruition, you can understand why Sukal doesn't believe in it anymore. Um, and why whenever Burnham tries to bring up the outside or um, he's confronted with the possibility of the outside, he, he shrieks and he freaks out. And um, on top of that, he's got that monster chasing him too. And the monster represents um, a Kelpian child's greatest fear. And, uh, we still don't know what his greatest fear really is, right? But we're confronted with the reality of what happened the last time he tried to confront this greatest fear of his. Um, and I'm going to stop. Can you hear that? Uh, yeah, that's what the monster in the episode sounds like. That is like. the Xander, <laughs> Zandy Candy monster that I live with. <laughs> so I think he's, I think he's fine now. Okay. Um, so that's... Well, would it, wouldn't it be funny if his fear was actually a literal monster that looked like that right. and it's not, there's nothing really deep to it. Right. And he's like, no, you don't understand, you know. Um, like, this is what I really am afraid of. And, and uh, the first time he, he uh, got freaked out by it, um, he he caused a cataclysmic event. He caused the burn. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> he's the reason why we don't have any dilithium in the future. And uh, it's a pretty significant discovery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we now have the answer uh, to the song. Like, what happened when... We can start the fire. Wherever we it didn't is. start like, the fire. Yeah, it was all yeah. I, I just butchered that whole thing, but anyways. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Billy Joel's okay with that, I'm sure. <laughs> so, um, with the yeah, so he starts the burn because um, when he tries, when he is forced to confront it again, the um, and I just hit on something. Okay, so. Um, he is, and I don't want to lose that thought. I just, it just hit me. Another reason why I think the Federation might know. So he, he's confronted with his greatest fear, which is, I think, going to be the notion of the outside world. And, um, he starts to have another, uh, freak out session and it, it causes the ships that are waiting outside the nebula. We haven't even talked about that yet the ships outside the nebula to experience issues with their dilithium. The dilithium is starting to become unstable and um, they, you know, they realize that something that he's connected to this somehow. And here's the thought I didn't want to forget. So remember how I was saying, I think Admiral Vance knows more um, yeah. about the, the cause of the burn. I wonder if Starfleet actually did try to reach um, the crew of the, the Kelpian ship 
in the nebula and when they found that there was only a child that was left over the child tried and they tried to extract the child the child caused the birth i don't know that's i'm just saying because <laughs> uh, the child doesn't want to face the outside world and that the monster is the outside world to him that's my thought right yeah i mean it's possible yeah. like i'm just throwing it out there <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, I alluded to the fact that there were ships waiting outside the nebula because while Captain Tilly is trying to get Discovery, um, back online so that they can go get the away team in time, they get a hail from what appears to be a Starfleet vessel. But you can tell that Tilly is already wary of this fact, but she follows protocol. And then she follows her own protocol and she just, she knows right away that it's not. And, um, we know that this moment was happening as the audience that it's going to be Osiris, And it is. <laughs> um, right. I mean, I wasn't sure like who to expect, but in hindsight, it makes sense that it was Osiris. Yeah. I just kind of assumed that it would be, but what the only thing that was bugging me was how fast they could get there. Right. Because they didn't, they also had, issues with dilithium supply and everything. And then book answers that question for us, which is that, um, you know, there's a, a, a conduit that they used. Um, and I, I want to say it's the same conduits that the Borg had, had used as well. I don't know if the Borg constructed them or not. That's what I can't remember, but it was a, a specific kind of warp conduit that they mm -hmm. used to get there faster. And, um, and so then we get the lovely exchange between, Osira and Tilly. <laughs> yeah, that that exchange is like my favorite like dialogue in the episode. Yes, yes, that and there's a there's a thing that happened at the very beginning of, of the episode that I'll go back to at the end here when when we're done. But uh, I'll I'll bring it up um, later. But I want to talk about Tilly and Osira together. Man, yeah. talk about like psychological warfare and um, you know Osira. Yeah. Oh, like she was so mean. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I, I, I was rooting for Tilly, yeah. obviously, but I was like, oh no, is Tilly gonna break? And then Tilly, like, one-ups Asaro with, like, this psychology talk, and, right. like, keeps, like, a really good poker face, and looks confident, and, like, they're just going back and forth, and it's, like, really intense. Yes, it is super intense, and, um, but she's still a green captain, and, um, there isn't... And it isn't her. Her um, actions aren't the reason that, you know, Osira gets to take over the ship. But it's really Stamets because he, he waffles. He he doesn't follow his or her orders. He, he questions her. And if you think about it, in the time, he like, basically, like, he's like, no, I don't want to. If he'd just gone over there and followed her orders, they would have been out of there. But no. <laughs> right. He pushes back and... Um, so, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it! Exactly. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna hear about that, and if Stamets doesn't get called doesn't get called on it, then you know it'll happen. It, it needs to happen. It really needs to happen. Because I I I yeah. was moments were precious, and this was one of those moments where I was like, no, 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 stop questioning her. Like you you believed in her. You said you believed in her, but then you're questioning her. So um, that was something that bugged me. But uh, that's part of the characters, right? That is exactly what his character would do. It's not outside the realm of what his yeah. character is supposed to do. Um, well, and while they are um, in that verbal spar with um, Osira, they um, beam Book back onto his ship 
to go um, and get the away team. So there's there was always options, right? And that was something that, um, I you know, Samus, I guess, wasn't thinking clearly about. But, um, you know, he gets to leave. And Adira sneaks on board because they also realize that something isn't right. Um, and they want to make sure that the radiation supplies are are given to the team. So um, they took supplies with them, but once they entered the hollow realm, the supplies um, vanished or were like masked and they couldn't find them again. So there's, there was something to, uh, to be said about Adira's um, thoughtfulness on that part. She's like, they were just wanted to make sure that the, the, the team was okay. Um, now with, uh, with book rescuing everyone, well, not, re- not rescuing everyone. Sorry. Adira stays behind to administer medication to everybody and Burnham goes with book and grudge on the, on the <laughs> ship and Culber and Saru stay behind and Adira stays behind as well. And, um, you know, the, this is where Osira gets, um, gets her team and boards the discovery but uh, this is where the space tentacles, I have this note in my thing, I call it space tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Osara's ship, I, I'm forgetting the name of the ship at the moment, um, but considering that she wants to hang on to the Discovery, U.S. Discovery, it's like her ship has these tentacle hook things like an octopus and it like grabs on to the Discovery like it's going to pull it apart. And I'm like, wait a minute, don't you want to keep that hold? Because I thought you wanted to spore drive. <laughs> That was the only thing that bothered. That was like the only thing that bothered me about the episode was was you know space tentacles. <laughs> the same thing that bothered me about Picard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with when it comes to space tentacles, I'm used to it being related to some sort of creature, but this is kind of different here. Yeah, this is this is not the. Uh, it's not the things in Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> it's not right. the uh, the floating octopus. Oh, the octopi. the the purgle. Like the purgle. The thank you. I was like floating octopus purgle. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those things are cool. <laughs> yeah, they are kind of cool. Um, but this isn't that. This is a ship. You know, these are mechanical. This, this is real life. Yeah, because <laughs> Star Trek is real. Right? <laughs> Star Wars is fantasy. Star Trek is. Real. Yeah, when it says a long time ago, that's a lie. Yeah, it's a lie. <laughs> It's like a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale in space. Um, with uh, so that was the only thing that bothered me. But my favorite line actually is by Osira this time through, and it's um, when she she very nonchalantly sits in the captain's chair, puts her leg up like it's hers, like you know, like it's it's her house, <laughs> and and she's yeah. like, "So what is it when what is, what do you say when you do your jumpy thingy?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is the running joke, right? Because Saru, nobody has a line yet. Yeah, well, like, is Saru ever going to come up with a new thing? <laughs> like, I don't know. My favorite meme one that I've seen is um, Shroom Boom, <laughs> Broom Shroom. Because <laughs> it's on the shroom drive. Oh, yeah, because the spore drive. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, that was that was it. That was the episode. I mean, uh, well, Burnham and um, or, and all well, as you shipped them, book them. They don't get there in time. They didn't book yeah. them fast enough. <laughs> yeah, like they really end on this like really big cliffhanger, yeah. and yeah, like it it makes me wonder. Like, do you think the season itself will end on a cliffhanger, or do you think they'll try to resolve everything by the end of the season? They only have two more episodes left, and there's a lot of little things. Um, 
that need to be explored. And I would be satisfied if they ended it on a cliffhanger. Because I know that they're filming Season 4, so I'm okay with this. (laughs) Okay, would you be upset if they resolved things too quickly, like normal Star Trek fashion? Yeah, Yeah, because this Star Trek um, gives us the nice pace of dealing with things in almost real time. You know, just a little, still a little faster than normal people would, but it's still better than than uh, previous Trek, where things are um, glossed over too quickly. And I, if they did that, I would be sad. Because it would just be like, oh yeah, like you tried to resolve it too quickly, and yeah, um, I feel like um, the Orville, which is Trek adjacent, was right. guilty of that too. Like it had um, in like its second season, it had like this two-parter involving Isaac, uh, the like artificial right. intelligence character, uh-huh. and then uh, so like part one ended on like a really intense cliffhanger, and then part two resolved things, and then it felt like there were no consequences to like. Yeah what happened there yeah. and it's it's like well I, I i see people praising the two-parter and i'm like they what they they like put they they like took their feet off the pedal like to at the last second it didn't like really go anywhere meaningful like what <laughs> yeah i mean it's like you know the orville is kind of like the the you know root beer stevia root beer <laughs> target brand <laughs> drink where you know Star right. Trek is like actual root beer you know that one's yeah well, like orville <laughs> is a pastiche of how people like to remember uh classic trek i guess or, or like tng yes trek it's tng band. trek and even yeah. the sound effects um and some of the musical or the orchestrations are star trek tng straight out yeah i mean they've even had like a few guest stars um i remember the actress who played diana troy was on it at some point i think so i mean and and, uh uh, cisco's wife is one of the main characters right oh that's right she's the and i'm I'm just blanking on her real name at the moment so i was just like oh i love her and i just like ah she's in my head that's wild yeah They've got actual Trek on there. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, they have actual, like, behind-the-scenes Trek people working on the show, so... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not actually Star Trek, but it it's obviously, like, inspired by it and has hands in it that have worked on Star Trek before. Yeah, yeah. And um, then we've got The Expanse, which is so delicious. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like, like I've never I've never seen the expanse, so like oh. I don't know like what you mean when you say it's delicious or that oh, it's yeah. kind of like other things you mentioned. Like I don't know. It's Naren Shankar also, so it's basically it's also TNG era Trek executive, well, like writers' room, you know, to producer is uh, one of the main producers of the expanse. So it's got direct ties actually to Star Trek in that way too. <laughs> Um, but the book series that it's based on, um, it's a book duo that writes under a single pseudonym. And um, the episodes of the first two seasons or so are the book um, out of order a little bit. But I I like what they've done with it. I really, really enjoy The Expanse as well. And um, they're also in the middle of their new season, second to last season, actually. They I think they've, they've decided that season six is going to be their last uh, they're in season five right now, but um, highly worth your time. And it's on Amazon Prime, so you can catch up on it. <laughs> right. All of it. It was like, come on, Steven, watch it so I can talk to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
But then this episode, which I actually thought this was kind of interesting. So up until now, in Star Trek Discovery, the uh, preview of the next episode has always been attached to the ready room. This is the first time through that they they gave us a preview at the very end of the episode. And um, then the ready room had a different preview. So we actually have two different previews of this coming episode. So, Oh, wow. Um, yeah, because yeah, um, I'm used to, like, the preview... Like, I think the previews have been, like, after the final commercial break, but I think in this instance, it was, like, right before the last one. I don't know. Um, It was late, so I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) It was immediately. Like, it was just, like, like as soon as it's over, like, oh, like, oh, my God, they're actually giving us a preview right now. Um, And they they haven't done that in a while. And um, I really, you know, looking forward to it. They are, they're getting down to business. And um, this is where viewers and I can... Um, concern about uh, wrapping things too quickly could potentially happen, but I also um, I can't wait to see the conversation between Osira and Admiral Vance because we see that's going to happen. <laughs> so they right. uh, they make it into the the space bubble that Federation is in, which is a nice little metaphor for how the Federation has been living, right? Like in their own little yeah. bubble. So we'll see. Um, any predictions on your part, like as to how it gets resolved? Or like, if anything, if um, I I'm not sure if I have any predictions, but I, I just remembered that like as I was watching the episode, like uh, this goes like to like the beginning when uh, Colbert is telling Stamets that he'll be back and that he shouldn't worry, and it's like normally when there's a scene like that, like I kind of expect the character to not come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since Colbert has, like, already died and come back, it's like, oh, they're probably not going to kill him again. Okay, and if they do, it's it's not going to be permanent. So yeah. I guess my really lame or safe prediction is that Colbert will live <laughs> the rest of the season. I don't, I don't know. That's, it doesn't really... Uh, it's It's not really... It doesn't really tell us anything, really, but... I... Uh, to your point, though, I don't know who, um, what happens to Sukala on the planet. Like, is, does he survive it? Does he make it off? Does he, um... Does he become the planet? Right. Oh. They go. could go that trippy right there. They could do that. They could do that. But, um, I hope it's not another character that gets stuck, um, uh, like, uh, like Nan. You know, she's stuck on the seed ship. I hope he's not stuck on this planet. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, you know, it's like another great character. Like, you're going to hamper them with, uh, you know, some sort of flaw that they can't leave where they're at. Because uh, yeah. it would be nice to see Sukal leave the planet. Like, like we love Bill Irwin and we want to see more of him. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I don't want to lose Saru to the planet either. I don't want to lose Cobalt to the planet. Right. I don't want to lose Adira. Saru is so great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so many wonderful things about him but i have this bad feeling somebody's not gonna make it out of the season i gotta figure out who it is what it what if it's a um character who like you think just randomly appears when they like don't really show her that much oh, nilson nilson was working on something this episode too yeah like but, like, yeah. like what if like what if she has like a death that hits them hard and they make it more dramatic than you would expect <laughs> Kind, kind of like what sad. happened when when Morn faked his death. Right. <laughs> I would be sad if um, Aram Nilsson, like, I know that's, it, the same actress played Aram that's playing Nilsson, 
but I I would be sad if they killed her off again because she's already died once. So that would just be really, really bad. That's <laughs> like, right. no, 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 we're not going to kill, you know, Culver off twice. We're going to kill you off twice. <laughs> so, that's, I mean, as long, you know, as long as Grudge stays alive, I'll be happy. Oh, and that reminds me. So my favorite, like, other scene was at the very beginning of the episode when um, Book takes his ship into the nebula first on its own. And um, he, he actually, uh, so Grudge is on the ship. And I'm always thinking about Grudge. Like, so whenever he takes that ship out, that means that Grudge is on the ship. So that means that whatever radiation poison he got, Grudge also got. And they address that. So he's back on Discovery getting um, his radiation treatment. And uh, there's this beautiful scene where Burnham is holding Grudge. And then um, uh, Grudge also got got the same radiation treatment so that she could get better. And Book is, you know, walking towards, you know, Burnham holding Grudge. And he's like, there's my lady. And, you know, Burnham smiles really big and he goes for the cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> takes the cat out and he takes her back to Dr. Pollard and says, oh, can you... Helper, she was favoring her left paw. And it's just like, and you can see Pollard's expression was like, ha ha, you thought it was you. It's like, yeah. <laughs> the real lady in his life is Grudge. <laughs> so, as every cat and pet dog owner knows, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't matter. It's the animal. It's always about the, it's about the puppers and the, the kitties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, that's my favorite scene, but my favorite line is still like, what do you say? Um, did you have a favorite line or was it just that favorite scene? It, it was just that scene where uh, Osira and Tilly are going back and forth and um, like, like we all we just all love Tilly so seeing her like nail it in that moment yeah. was just so good yeah. it was so very, good very 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 fun and I just had a one another like a Tilly moment so um, one of our uh, Facebook groups <laughs> put together like a little a meme um, for Tilly because unfortunately the character and the actress is getting a lot of weird fat shaming BS, which is absolute BS. She's gorgeous. Um, and yeah, like what, what's up with these people? Like what? Yeah, they're just as Tilly has pointed out, they're just projecting their own insecurities on her. Uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so. Um, I, I honestly think that's what they're doing. They're just, they're just not yeah. really, uh, getting it. But so, so this past weekend, um, somebody put up a lovely meme from, um, there was some Christmas movie that I never watched. Um, but there's a guy holding a sign that says you are perfect. And it's got Mary Wiseman's picture in the next you know block under it. So then I took, uh, that same thing and I changed out, um, the actor from the movie and I put in Rin because Rin is portrayed by, uh, Noah Chavis, who's, um, Tilly's husband in real life, like Mary Wiseman's husband, sorry, <laughs> like trying to get the, the character and the actor um, um, name confuser, but I put Rin in the picture and because I thought that would be kind of cute. And then right. um, Noah actually reached out via Instagram to me about that. And then it turned into this old little thing. And I had actually gone off to go see a friend of mine in my uh, cosplay loop world um, who also has a lot of Star Trek memorabilia. And so I was in Trek world, but just in real life, and I wasn't paying attention to online, and apparently the picture took off. So I was like, score! <laughs> <laughs> Yay, me! <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, just, it was something fun that happened on Saturday. <laughs> 
So it's like, nice. Well, yeah, it's like I'm sitting in my friend's car and I'm like, oh, crap, look at that. And it took off. I had no idea. It's like, oh, look, look, look what I did. Um, yeah, it was, that was kind of a neat, neat moment. And I'm just glad, um, that I got to give, uh, Mary and Noah something adorable for their house. So the, the comment that he wrote back was like, um, you know, it was really well appreciated in our household. I was like, yay, I made their day. <laughs> so, um, nice. It's like positive memes, positive memes. They're, those do exist yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Like there are, there are all these weird criticisms, um, like, one that I encountered recently, uh, this isn't, like, as bad, but, like, someone was saying how, like, the characters in Discovery Season 3 don't feel, like, they don't act like Starfleet, and it's, like, I don't really get what they mean. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, don't, I mean, to, to me, Starfleet evolves beyond these um, heroic tropey stereotypes right starfleet is to be better than that and starfleet would evolve by the time that they get uh to to that era and as far as the telling of the story the telling of the story has to evolve i don't want to see the same characters that i saw in the original series i don't want to see the same types of characters either i i really like that the characters emote and express things in real time because as we now you know live with or you know talk more about mental health and about uh, the trauma of all the different things that we as a global society have experienced, not just this year, but over the past couple of years, um, you know, the issues that our soldiers are facing, uh, coming back from the, the various conflicts that they've been involved in, um, it's real. And living so close to a, a Marine base and, and being around a lot of um, ex-soldiers that I, I'm around, um, it's, you know, they're able to talk about it now, whereas some of the older um, men and women don't get to talk about it because generationally they weren't allowed to. Um, but the younger generation, they are told to be able to talk about it. And, you know, there's a lot more services and things about getting them the assistance they need. Part of that getting that assistance is being able to talk about it. And I like that Star Trek is talking about it. You know, it's like, hey, there's trauma. We all went through trauma together. Let's talk about it. Let's... um discuss it in real time you're not going to heal overnight that's not natural that's not normal and there's so much more story to tell because of that right and i think that's beautiful why would why would we shy away from that i think that's more trek than anything else <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so, anyway um but uh, there was something else about <laughs> oh this is the other <laughs> thing that annoyed me was the crying thing i was like are you serious are you that upset that that's that the characters are crying really Does that really piss you off oh that's yeah it pisses people off apparently i'm like I, what that they can be yeah, like like don't you want the characters to be believable right. like don't you want to see how they would probably react after yeah. something devastating happened <laughs> yeah like like murdering a character <laughs> melded to sorry i'm just um, i've been rewatching voyager at the moment also so. well like do you want people to just move on right away after like the death of two minutes or whatever <laughs> exactly exactly because like if that were made today there would be like a whole season where they're dwelling on it or whatever yeah and the actor that plays two would have a season arc about like just coming back in and if he yeah. Yars he, he'd, he'd be like haunting their nightmares yeah. and stuff like that yeah it, it's it's the same thing like the tasha yar going back to tng you know right she dies and then they don't really ever i, I know there's some other um behind the scenes issues right you know with that one too but 
the fact is that her character hardly is ever brought up again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Only in passing, but that seems so unnatural, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I'm glad that she came back for the, the final episode and um, was able to at least come back for that, because it would not have felt real without her. Yeah, and I think she came back for, um, what was it, yesterday's Enterprise? Yesterday's Enterprise. It, it was an episode with time travel, yeah. Yeah, tied to that book that I told you about, um, that I don't know if yeah. you have a chance to read yet, but... Um, I haven't. <laughs> yes, it ties, um, it ties yesterday's Enterprise and uh, the episode where Tasha Yar's daughter, well, uh, Denise Crosby comes back as Tasha Yar's daughter, um, born of Romulan um, and human background so it ties those two together uh, very very uh, neatly actually um well anyway um i can't wait to talk to you next week because we're going to be filming this on my birthday <laughs> so, yeah and this and the next episode will be coming out like in the new year i think after that though right like so the, the last episode because yeah um, well i well the penultimate one um well, the penultimate episode Star Trek Culture would come out next Friday. Um, oh, the new year. Right. Schedule, which would be, yeah. yeah. I was thinking about the Discovery episode. The Discovery episode is going to be on my birthday, and I'll be uh, cheering and toasting with you on my birthday, which also happens to be New Year's Eve, which I think everybody's nice. going to be celebrating. <laughs> um, <laughs> in a way. Unless you're lunar, then you got to wait till February 12th. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> Then, then you've got a little bit more misery in your life. <laughs> so, um, well, anyway, yeah, just, yeah, just just end the episode on a note of misery. Right. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> but I do want to say happy Merry Christmas to everyone, and I hope you um, you know get to see some family via safe methods. I'm going to be zooming with mine tomorrow, and yeah, I hate Zoom, but I I understand it's a necessary <laughs> evil. And I respect that. <laughs> now now Zoom is going to like so Star Trek culture. <laughs> hey, I'm a paid member, um, okay? Like, I'm, paying, I'm paying for mine, so no, no, no. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, um, but yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. Yes. Um, and if it's with a family, do it safely. And yeah, just hold on to the good things that like you remember and that still remain in your life. And that'll help you keep going forward um, boldly or something. <laughs> yeah. Boldly venturing to the mirror and back. I don't know. <laughs> just dis discovering the voyage yes. in deep space. I don't know. For your next generation of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. JL. <laughs> DS9. <laughs> just yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, thanks again, guys. This has been Star Trek Culture with me, Leon Ahmed, and my wonderful co-host, Stephen Chinder. If you just want to catch up with us again, uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and if you want to email us personally, just uh, we have uh, Star Trek uh, Culture Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to learn more about upcoming broadcasts or any other of the fun things that culture slate is doing do hit us up on our patreon uh, subscription and you will be granted 
wonderful access to things <laughs> that we do. And uh, we do have a lot of other content um, coming up as well. And uh, if you want to be a part of that content, maybe we'll, we'll might even work with you there too. All righty. Thanks again. And uh, live long and prosper. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Well on truth. <laughs> yeah. Live long and Sue call. Anna. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but don't Dr. Seuss about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Ciao.